Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast. It's episode 196 that we're into. I'm your host, Steve Burnham, and I'm here by my lonesome uh, this time, but that's all right. Uh, I've got a few things to talk about. Uh, being tax time, I thought it possibly helpful to go over um, the key changes and the new measures that uh, practitioners should be aware of when completing your client's uh, tax returns. There are 11 that the ATO is keen for practitioners to be aware of, and um, so I just thought I'd go through them. There's a, the, 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 well, not the big one, but one that's been getting a lot of uh, oxygen out there is the uh, low and middle income tax offset. Um, it's funny, I was just speaking to, to someone yesterday, uh, a practitioner uh, who had people coming in with their, more or less with their hand out, oh, did I get a cash refund? My $1,080, and um, uh, the practitioner was lamenting that the uh, the, the figure was emphasised, of course, uh, by the government, not the, the, the way it works. Um, of course, the um, uh, unfortunately, the use of the word refund has been uh, used a lot instead of the word offset. So um, you may have to remind people that it's actually an offset and that an offset can only reduce the amount of tax they pay to zero and it does not reduce their Medicare levy as well. You should remind them. But anyway, taxpayers may be eligible for an income tax offset if they are an Australian resident for income tax purposes, of course, and their taxable income is in the appropriate income range and all those figures are available. Um, they do not have to claim this offset, so remind your clients about that. The ATO works it out for them when the return is lodged. Now, the changes proposed in the 2019-20 budget uh, have now become law, so the ATO will automatically amend assessments. So no action is required by you or the taxpayer. Uh, another one to keep in mind, and now this won't apply to every practitioner, nor to every client of every practitioner, but I'll just run through the 11. That's number one. Number two, um, private health insurance statements. So from July 1, 2019, health insurers are no longer required to send private health insurance statements. Uh, previously, they were required to send statements by, the, by July 15, I think, each year, but it's now optional to send this information. Uh, some will. I got one myself just last week. Um, private health insurance information, however, should be available in the pre-fill report, uh, usually by mid-August, the ATO states. Uh, if it's not populated by then, uh, your client, so your tax, uh, taxpayers may need to request a statement from the health insurer. So just remind your clients to keep an eye on that. Um, it is important to correctly report private health insurance information as the ATO uses it to calculate uh, private health insurance rebates that taxpayers may be entitled to and also the Medicare levy surcharge, if applicable. <clears throat> now another change, uh, a, new, a new thing, a new measure, is something called income statement. Now this used to be known as uh, the payment summary and many years ago it was called the group certificate. Actually, I was speaking to um, one of the assistant commissioners in a previous podcast uh, about single-touch payroll, and during our discussion, he admitted that uh, maybe up to half of the ATO staff still say group certificate. 
uh, <coughs> and they've only just got used to saying payment summaries and now everyone's got to get used to saying income statement. Uh, but if an employer reports through single touch payroll, they are not required to provide a payment summary to their employees. An income statement, he quotes, <coughs> will replace payment summaries. Now, employees can access their income statements through ATO online services via MyGov at any time. Employees will receive a notification from the ATO in their MyGov inbox when their income statement is, air quote, tax ready, so they can complete their tax return. So employees will be able to contact the ATO for a copy of their income statement if they do not have access to MyGov as well. That's um, something that they can do. <clears throat> Let's talk about line entry data, deduction data. From the 1st of July <coughs> 2019, the ATO, ATO will receive line entry deduction data, also known as granular data, entered into your practice management software and lodged through the practitioner lodgement service. So the detail of all deductions data, that's from D1 to D15, D15 being other, which is always handy, uh, will be included with lodgement of the return and will apply to the 2018-19 and later individual tax returns. So this change will align with the information the ATO receives from self-prepared returns lodged online <coughs> using MyTax. Good to know. Um, number five. Now this is one, of course, which won't apply to all of your clients, but it should be underlined anyway. It's about research and development tax incentive amendments. This happened back in early May 2018 uh, when the government announced it would reform the R&D tax incentive to encourage additional investment in R&D while ensuring the integrity and fiscal affordability of the incentive. That's their words, not mine. Uh, these changes are expected to apply for income years commencing on or after the 1st of July 2018. So the ATO says it will accept tax returns as lodged during the period up until the proposed law change is passed by Parliament. Uh, that after this new law is passed, taxpayers will need to review their position and, if required, seek an amendment. All right. Uh, another one, number six, uh, is um, a bit uh, left field, but it may apply, so we should mention it. Um, in August 2018, legislation was passed implementing the OECD's hybrid mismatch rules. Now, these rules apply to income years starting on or after the 1st of January 2019. Um, however, unless an importing payment is made under a structured arrangement, the imported mismatch rule will apply to income years starting on or after the 1st of January 2020. Now, the hybrid mismatch rules prevent entities that are liable to income tax in Australia from avoiding income tax or obtaining global double tax benefits through arrangements that exploit differences in the tax treatment of an entity or instrument under the laws of two or more tax jurisdictions. Now, the rules operate to deny a deduction or include an amount in accessible income for payments that give rise to a hybrid mismatch outcome. All right, number seven. This has to do with the um, similar business tests and the same business tests. Your listeners may remember that this, this, was, this was a change relatively recently made. It was back in March 19, 2019 that legislation was passed that will supplement the current same business test for losses with a more flexible, similar business test. Now, the new test will expand access to past year losses when companies enter into new transactions or business activities. Now, the similar business test allows a company and certain trusts to access losses following a change in ownership where the business, while not the same, is similar. 
having re- similar, having regard to the extent to which the assets that are used in its current business to generate accessible income were also used in its former business to generate accessible income, in regard to the extent to which the activities and operations from which its current business is generating accessible income were also the activities and operations from which its former business generated accessible income, having regard to also to the identity of its current business and the identity of its former business, that seems to go with that saying, but I suppose the ATO feels it necessary to say so, and to the extent to which any changes to the former business resulted from the development or commercialisation of assets, products, processes, services, or marketing or organisational methods of the former business. As a test for accessing past year losses, the similar business test will only be available for losses made in income years starting on or after the 1st of July 2015. The same business test and the similar business test also will be collectively known as the business continuity test. Okay? Got it. Number eight. Expanding accelerated depreciation for small businesses. This is a good one. So just as a reminder, you probably know about this, but let's just go over it because the ATO is keen that these key changes are remembered. Um, Small businesses can claim an immediate deduction for most depreciating assets purchased after the 12th of May 2015 and first used or installed ready for use for a business purpose from 7.30pm on April 2, 2019 until the 30th of June 2020, if they cost less than $30,000 each or from the 29th of January 2019 and before 7.30pm, 2nd of April 2019, if they cost less than $25,000 each, or before 29th of January 2019, if they cost less than $20,000 each. That's, as you remember, these, this threshold kept going up to, to reach $30,000, which is great. Now, the balance of the general small business pool is also immediately deductible if the balance is less than $30,000 at the end of an income year that ends on or after the 2nd of April 2019 and on or before the 30th of June 2020, uh, including an existing general small business pool. Now, the lockout laws has also have also been suspended for the simplified depreciation rules until the end of the 30th of June 2020. Now, the lockout laws pre- prevent small businesses from re-entering the simplified depreciation regime for five years if they have opted out. The instant asset write-off threshold now includes businesses with a turnover from 10 million to less than 50 million. Uh, These businesses can claim a deduction for the business portion of each asset that costs less than $30,000 if they are purchased or first used and installed ready for use from 7.30pm April 2, 2019. Let's look at Number nine is the downsizer contribution into superannuation. So, from July 1 last year, 2018, super fund members aged 65 years old or older and who meet all of the eligibility requirements can choose to make a downsizer contribution, which is a new contribution type, of up to $300,000 into super from the proceeds of selling their primary residence. To be eligible, the contract for sale must be entered into on or after the 1st of July 2018. If a member makes a downsizer contribution, it is reported in the year it is made. The member will need to provide a a downsizer contribution into super form, that's what the form's called, downsizer contribution into super, either before or when they make their contribution. Uh, 
Now, downsizing contributions should be made within 90 days of the change of ownership of the dwelling, which is usually the date of settlement. Uh, an extension of time may be granted where there is a delay, but uh, will not be granted, apparently, to allow the member to meet the age requirement, so you've got to pay attention to that. Um, if someone approaches you to about asking about that. Now, downsizing contributions can be made regardless of contributions caps and other restrictions like age and perhaps the work test that may apply, depends on the person, when making voluntary contributions. Uh, there's another one to do with the residences, the First Home Super Saver Scheme, which um, is where if a taxpayer requested the release of an amount under this scheme, under the First Home Super Saver Scheme, uh, during the 2018-19 income year. They must include in their 2019 tax return any assessable first home saver, super saver amount and the tax withheld amount. Uh, the taxpayer will receive a payment summary uh, from the ATO showing the assessable uh, first home super saver amount and tax withheld. If they requested a release during the 18-19 income year, they must include the amount in their 2019 tax return, even if they did not receive the amount until after June 30, 2019. Uh, number 11. I don't know why there's 11. It's not a baker's dozen, that's 13. Um, it's a shy baker's dozen. I don't know. Number 11. <laughs> 11 uh, This, again, it doesn't apply to every client that you may have on your books, but it may apply to some, so let's just get it out there. It's about thin capitalisation. So there's changes to the thin capitalisation rules uh, to prevent double gearing structures. This uh, came about on April 5, 2019. Uh, legislation was passed that uh, improves, as the ATO puts it, improves the integrity of the income tax law by modifying the thin capitalisation rules to prevent double gearing structures. Now what that means is, well, a, a double gearing structure uh, involves the use of multiple layers of flow-through entities such as trusts and partnerships to issue debt against the same underlying asset. These changes apply to income years starting on or after July 1, 2018. So the changes affect entities with interests in trusts, other than public trading trusts, and partnerships uh, as a threshold for the purposes of the associate entity debt, associate entity equity, and the associate entity excess amounts has been reduced from 50% to 10%. Now, the changes also affect how the arm's length debt amount is calculated to determine both the independent lender and independent borrower amounts of the test. Uh, an entity must consider the debt to equity ratios of any other entity in which it has an interest. So they're the 11 that the ATO is keen that practitioners are aware of uh, for this tax time. Uh, there's, there's more, of course, but they're the ones that the ATO is keen to um, draw an underline under and uh, make sure that practitioners uh, inform their clients of those key changes and new measures. Uh, it's a short one this time, so uh, thank you for being with me once again. Please join us again next time.